what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am the co-founder and co-director of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. Across the table from me is the other co in that co-director and co-founder role, Mr. Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Hello, hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're doing well. Yes, we all. We hope you're all doing well. And uh, <laughs> thanks for listening today. We're going to be uh, going through the following things during our show. This is our ongoing film review and discussion show here on the Mesh.TV podcast. Uh, network. And what we're going to be doing first is a couple of reviews of some new films. And we always like to have the show kind of at least one or two reviews of new films. And this episode is no exception. So we'll be starting off with one that you can only find in theaters as of the time of this recording. One of the few films to actually make it back to in theater screenings only. And that is A Quiet Place Part 2. Then we'll be following that up with a review of a Netflix film, which you can watch at home online, uh, the woman in the window. Then we're going to have a couple of news items that we want to share. And then we'll end up the show where Chris and I both give a recommendation of a film that we recently caught up with, or maybe caught back up with and want to give as a recommendation of something to check out. So Chris, that is the plan. Theaters are opening back up. Things are kind of returning as some sense of normalcy in the movie world. And so we're going to find ourselves in the movie theater a little bit more in the coming months. I think that we definitely have in the past year. So that's good, right? Yes. It's exciting. That's fun. And let's go ahead and start with our first review, which we both saw in a movie theater. It is A Quiet Place Part 2. sequels. They're often derided as cash grabs and not as good as the originals, but to state the obvious, Hollywood, it's a business. Pouring millions of dollars into a film is risky, so if you have something that works, you know, once, why not try it again? I I get it. I'll say with a few exceptions, Empire Strikes Back, Aliens, Batman Returns, I rarely care much for sequels, When smaller budgeted film A Quiet Place, written, directed, and starring Jim from The Office, a.k.a. John Krasinski, hit theaters in 2018, it was a big critical and financial success. 
At first, it seemed to be a one-off. Then a sequel was announced and due to hit theaters in 2020. It was delayed for some reason, but finally has come out in theaters now. The film picks up where the first film left off, with the Abbott family struggling to survive in a world that has been overtaken by monsters that hunt based on sound. Alan, what was your experience with A Quiet Place Part 2? And do you feel like, without giving anything away, there's enough gas left in the tank to have this machine grind out a third installment for 2023, which has been announced, Part 3, The Return? They they have announced a Part 3. They have. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I know how you feel about that part. That was pretty succinct. <laughs> um, I, this movie's fine. It's just... It's an inconsequential movie in that I just didn't feel like this is a film that needed to exist. And I still felt like that at the end of the film, which is never a good thing, I think, for a a film that's supposed to be part of a ongoing saga, which this has now become. I did like the first one, Quiet Place. I thought it was a good thriller monster movie, you know, uh, what not outstanding, not one that I'm just singing its praises, but I thought it was fine. This one, I, I just felt was a very mediocre film. I think it had some nice uh, thrills and, and a few scares in it. But overall, I still had to remind myself exactly where the movie ended up because I just thought, okay, well, I don't really feel like there's been anything that made this sequel worthwhile. There was nothing other than let's watch a family get having to be chased by creatures and people they encounter along the way. And... Uh, It just didn't do a lot for me. Um, I I, I enjoyed the fact that I was back in a movie theater and I got to see it on a big screen. But at the same time, I kind of felt like, well, I I don't know if this is the film I I really wanted to kind of mark my return back to the movie theaters with because it just it just didn't hold a lot for me. It's well made. I mean, and well acted. I think Emily Blunt's really good in it. I like Cillian Murphy in it, who is kind of new to the franchise. And I did like uh, there's a I'm not going to spoil this, I don't think, but. The opening sequence uh, before the title, uh, the title display uh, was a flashback. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed that because that at least gave me some background that kind of helped leads to the rest of the film. And obviously they also, they also introduced a character in the flashback that did become a character later in the film. So they kind of had to do that. Um, and plus it gave us a chance to see Jim again from the office because, you know, yeah. everybody likes to see Jim. Everybody likes to see Jim. And yeah. I don't think he was going to be in this movie if there wasn't a flashback. We knew he was going to write and direct <laughs> it, but we didn't know he was yeah. also going to be. Exactly. Him. So um, I just, it was fine. I mean, it was fine, Chris. I just, I just felt, I questioned myself afterwards why, you know, other than the cash grab you mentioned in your introduction, I didn't really see a reason for this film to exist. So that's my take on it. Chris, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Alan and I don't, well, we try not to. I mean, we work in the same office, so we don't try to talk to each other about films. This, we succeeded with this one. You know, yeah. we kind of you know didn't talk anything about it beforehand. Um, I, and I don't post anything on social media because I know Alan might see it. I really liked this film. Mm. I liked it better than the first one. Wow. Um, now, I will say it probably does help that it was not my first movie back in the theater, but it was my second. My mm. first being Mortal Kombat with my son, which let's not even talk oh, about that. Okay, so you so, kind of had a low, <laughs> yeah, an interesting bar oh set for you boy. Oh, the boy, did I. Okay. So right. I do not recommend Mortal Kombat. Okay, so moving on to A Quiet Place Part 2. So that is not going to be your recommendation today. It is, it is not. Okay, good. Good um, to know. So this film, like, I remember the first film, and I remember seeing it in a the theater, and it was, 
you know, saw it with a big crowd and the, you know, the silences, but also the noise when it happened, it was like, I can see why they did delay this film to try to have it come out exclusively Mm -hmm. in theaters. I, I get it. And so for that reason, and I don't know, just, it was the perfect movie for me to return back to theater because it did have the surround sound I saw Mm -hmm. in a big Dolby theater. Um, it was a pretty good crowd, but of course we were kind of socially distanced. Um, and what I appreciated about it was I kind of do set a low bar for sequels because, Mm. you know, basically to keep me entertained in a movie, I have to not be able to guess what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so for this one, you know, in the first movie, I liked the acting. I thought it was an interesting idea, but once they kind of revealed like, Oh, this is how the aliens hunt. There was just nothing that kind of surprised me for the rest of the movie. I kind of knew all the different beats, you know, the introduction of the hearing aid. And I was like, yeah, I bet that's going to end up playing. And it just, it was just very obvious to me. This one from the opening that you've already referenced, the opening is one big flashback, but it, it was imp- it was cool to kind of get a little bit of details more about like, oh, this is kind of what happened with this thing. These are what these creatures are kind of in a way. You get that. But what was also impressive to me is I know going into this movie, um, Killian, Cillian, I'm never sure how to say right. his name, yeah, it's, it's, Murphy. <laughs> um, I knew he was in it. And they showed his face in the trailers. And it was like, oh, here's this big mysterious man. Me going in, I thought, oh, the whole thing is going to be, this is just some random person she runs into. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he going to try to help her? But when he showed up in the flashback, I was like, oh, wow. So they're already saying this is who this person is. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like they just dumped him in to give you somebody else because, spoiler alert, but if you're listening to this, surely you saw A Quiet Place. John Krasinski, he he died. He died in the first Mm -hmm. film. So there's not another male to provide this, like, you know, counterpoint to Emily Blunt. So I thought they were just kind of dumping it in there to serve that purpose. But there's so much more to that character and that idea of he did have a relationship with that family, struggling with, like, you know, what to do, what is right, what is wrong, um, with, you know, trying to do the right thing. There's just – there was – for me, there was so much more. And also – um, for me, uh, obviously, yeah, I just like this film a lot. The development of the children mm-hmm. in the movie, mm-hmm. um, Millicent Sigmunds, who plays the daughter, um, who's the hearing impaired daughter yeah. in the first movie. She was great in the first movie. Mm-hmm. She, I think she's even better in, yeah, uh, good. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> um, Noah Jupe, which I didn't, I, his scream, <laughs> Is amazing, I'm and he's much older now. But he's trying to be, scream. you know, play younger and trying to play vulnerable and everything. And his scream is is amazing. Well, like he could be a scene. foley, he could be a foley artist just for his like scream. I, there is the scene, it, I, I, you know, what I'm talking about, oh, yeah. where he has to just let that scream unfurl for a good while, and it's it's unnerving. Uh, he's he's very good <laughs> at that. So, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. I I do see that. You know, I think there were some interesting things they did along the way with this film, but I don't know. I still could just kind of come back to the idea. I, I guess you say you're a little more lenient with sequels. I'm probably a little tougher on sequels and that to me, sequels have got to justify their existence and because otherwise I'm just looking at it as, is this just a way to milk a franchise to go further? And again, I, I just, I felt like by where we started and where we got to at the end of this film, I, I, I just, it's like one of those like chapters in a book that you could kind of skip over and it doesn't really affect the outcome of where you end up in the book. You know, you're going to keep going. This felt like one of those unnecessary chapters that just 
was just there to, to extend the story a little bit, but not really develop much. The kids, there was some development. I, I see that, but I just still felt like it was a, I, I, I felt like this was originally written the quiet place as a standalone film. And mm-hmm. this was their efforts to say, okay, well now we got to make more money. So let's, how can we make this story longer? And I just didn't feel like it justified, but I also know. really appreciated, um, the cross cutting between the different characters and the different locations and the different action scenes and how they appear. Yes. Some people could say, well, that's just formulaic to drive up tension, which, well, yeah, it is, but it, it, but Mm -hmm. it worked for me. And I think, um, you know, it could be confusing, but it wasn't for me. I thought it was Mm. very effective and it, it helped keep things interesting. Instead of just having one big long drawn out action scene, they cut between different ones to try to, you know, keep your interest. And, and it worked for me. Um, I like also in the film, they do two different things that were kind of homages, or at least I felt like they were. Mm -hmm. Um, One was kind of, I mean, basically it was referencing the first film by returning to the drugstore. In that first film, it opens in a drugstore. And this film opens kind of in the same drugstore, but it's not destroyed yet. And the father's picking up water and stuff like that. Well, then in the the wife returns to that same drugstore to get something else. So twice in the second movie, they return to the drugstore. Now in the third movie, they're going to return to the drugstore three times. I don't know, but I thought that was neat that it was kind of like a subtle reference mm-hmm. to, you know, the first film. Um, and also they pass the burial place that a first child died in the first film. She kind of goes by that. So it's like showing similar things. And like, that just shows like an interesting way to weave certain threads in. So I like that. Um, also, I mentioned in the intro, I am a big fan of the film Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like, what felt like to me, an homage to Ripley in the Aliens film when Emily Blunt has to have this face off because she's trying to get to her child and there's this big, huge alien in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, mm-hmm. So she has to have like this, this, like this, you know, direct face off. Yeah, done probably millions of times in the films, but just the way that was staged, it reminded me of Ripley and Aliens. So I, which mm-hmm. I really like that film. So um yeah I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of this film and I think too I will admit it is probably easier like I said I set a low bar for sequels so when they I actually have a good time it kind of surprises me and in general you know people know I'm not a big action movie or a big blockbuster type person generally the films that get me excited are more like indie type films mm-hmm. or de- and definitely not sequels so for me, this was just, I don't know, it was such a big surprise that I had a, a better time with it. And that immediately, like once the better time started, it was hard for the film to mess that up, I guess. Okay. So did it, did it, did it bother you at all? So th- there are two, hmm, do this without spoiling. Okay. There are two, uh, encounters late in the film, two different groups. That are encountered. Okay. All right. I think I know where, I don't know where you're going, but yes. One has to do with water. Yep. One has to do with island. Yes. Okay. Is that fair enough? Yes. I think I know what you're, yeah. And Mm -hmm. both of them on the surface, interesting concepts. Like just when those are introduced, I'm like, Ooh, that actually got my kind of raised up a little bit. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. And, um, it was probably about five minutes later, they're gone. (laughs) So both, both situations. One like, because oh, it, one yeah. because it really comes at the end of the film. Yeah. But 
even so, I mean, it really is. If you think about, uh, I, again, I'll do this without spoiling. He's in the credits. I mean, uh, Jamon Hansu yep. um, is in the film, shows up mm-hmm. in a certain role. And again, I'm like, okay, all right. Now this is getting me somewhere interesting. This is developing into something. And then really I was kind of just surprised that five to 10 minutes later, okay, well that whole subplot's gone. Like it's, they're done. They're done with that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we meet some interesting people at the well, this waterfront that have some of their own motives. And there's some, I mean, they even had, um, uh, Scoot McNary, who's actually a pretty good actor. I recognize in the role there. I'm like, Oh, and now they're gone. Like within I'm, I'm five glad minutes. he was I'm in like, it just because I like his name. I know Scoot McNary. Um, I was a little disappointed that both of those are moments where I felt like the film was working to develop something. And I almost felt like there was a longer version of this film where both of those subplots had a lot more depth to them and interest to them. But as it was, it was just like, Oh, here's a cool concept. And we're going to go ahead and like finish that out and let's move on. Oh, here's another cool concept. Okay. Yeah. We're done with that too. Let's just kind of put that to bed. And that was, I guess that added to my disappointment where I just felt like at the end of the day, it felt very inconsequential. If both of either of those had some impact, then I would have felt like at the end, okay, well at least, Something has progressed, but I just I just didn't feel I it. I couldn't disagree with you more. Okay. Um, the first group, they're again trying to avoid spoilers here. Hmm. The first group, yeah, I could see, but it was it was necessary to kind of set something up, and I can't really go mm-hmm. into a lot with that. But anyways, yeah, I could see the complaint with the first one. Um, with the second group, what was awesome to me is by somebody somebody basically calls their downfall. Oh, sure. And that to me made it all the work, like coming there, grace was extended to this person. And then basically, but how much more impactful would that, that that one person causing their downfall been if we got to develop that a little bit more? There's going to be part three. Yeah, but I mean, okay. (laughs) I I can't spoil, but right. I know there's not, I don't, there's nothing on that Island to continue at this point as much. So anyway, I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's disappointing for me because again, I wanted something to develop. I wanted this story to go somewhere, and I just I didn't feel like it. I felt like it skirted with some interesting ideas, and then just said, "Nope, we're just going to kind of mm-hmm. come back, basically to more or less where we started out." And that was you know a little disappointing for me. Hmm. So, okay. um, I, I will say it's a well made film. I think it's well directed. I do think you know the action sequences, the the, the thrills, the scares were all well done. I think acting across the board, everybody's on board and, and, and performing really well in this. And they're believable. I just, I, my issue was more with the story and the overall development of this saga, just not, not taking me places. I felt like it should have gone. So, wow. Yeah. yeah different experience. Cause I'm definitely, definitely higher. I'll say to me too, I mentioned in my setup and you responded that you gave an UG <laughs> to a uh, part three. Um, I, I do have reservations about it, but I wonder if this changed your mind. Jeff Nichols is going to direct. Oh, really? Yep. So they've already announced the sequel, part three. The um, What did I say? Because they've actually given it the title. Um, the Return? The Return, yeah. So it's Quiet Place, part three, The Return, and Jeff Nichols is directing. So I hmm. liked the part two better than I thought I would, and I actually really enjoyed it. And the fact that Jeff Nichols is stepping in as director on part three, I'm like, Okay, and I think Take Shelter, Mud, um, several other really good films. uh, And the science fiction one, Midnight Special? Midnight Special. Which Mm -hmm. I really liked. And I think I was higher on that than you were. You were. Yeah, Um, I still liked it, but yeah, you were higher on it. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm interested to see what he does. I'm, I'm kind of okay. excited. No, I, I had not heard that. And that's interesting. I'm, I'm also curious what the, the title, the return right. stands for. Well, so. and I think, I think, but you know, who knows if the third one makes a lot of money from what I understand from nerding out on the internet, which, you know, it's the internet can't always trust it. First one was supposed to be standalone, but then I think the production company, everything approached John Krasinski and was like, Hey, we really want, he's like, eh, he said, well, let, what story ideas would you have? And he pitched ideas. They liked him and they try. And then he eventually agreed to be the director. I think while he was making this, they're like, Oh, we want a third one. And I hope, I think it is supposed to be just three. It is supposed to be a finite well, trilogy. Unless, right. I mean, well, you know, unless the third one, <laughs> but to really me, well. Like I could, if it really is going to be like maybe while doing the second one, he wrote the thing for the third one's like, I'm not going to direct it, but what, like, I don't know. I, I'm excited. Obviously okay. I like this one. So even though I'll go into the third sequel with a little lower expectations, but Jeff Nichols, uh, I'm interested. Okay. So, all right. Uh, that is a quiet place. Part two. It is available right now only in theaters. Um, it may be making its debut online maybe sooner than than films previously had in the past from what i understand but right now as of this moment the only place you can see it is live in a movie theater uh directed by uh uh krasinski i don't even think i mentioned did i mention that in the setup you mentioned that in the setup yeah yeah directed by jim from the office as we (laughs) better call him yeah all right chris so that's our first review let's go ahead and move on to our second one which is a film by director Joe Wright and starring Amy Adams. It is The Woman in the Window. This is a safe place. I'm agoraphobic. I can't go outside. I've been slipping, getting into a really dark frame of mind. What's the latest on the street? Your neighbor, she's become a friend. Her name is Jane Russell. Do you want to go outside? You know, I have a shrink of my own. Mr. Russell believes that you made a mistake. You have never met my wife. Ma'am, you all right? I know Jane. Jane's been in my house. I'm Jane Russell. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. They're all hiding something. I told you, you, you will not never tell my mother. Stop, Stop watching our house. The doctor said that your meds can cause hallucinations. I'm not hallucinating. I think there is somebody in my house. Don't go looking into other people's houses. You won't like what you see.
Chris, it's no secret. I love Alfred Hitchcock films. Always have. I, I just huge fan. Psycho is one of my all time favorite films. Rear Window is also one of my top films, which obviously is going to lead a lot of comparisons to how I set up this film. Sure. The Woman in the Window starring Amy Adams, directed by Joe Wright, who Joe Wright also directed a film I'm a big fan of from years ago, Atonement. Um, I think I was a lot higher on Atonement than you were. I think you uh, were. But it was yeah. definitely one of my top films that year it was released. Uh, since then, Joe Wright's films mm, haven't really done a lot for me since Atonement. Unfortunately, that was kind of the last one I can tout as, hey, that was my a really good film, I think. And this film, uh, you know, before I even watched it, I had already heard a little bit of buzz online. Unfortunately, if you're on Twitter, you just kind of see these things. <laughs> and it, it was sure. not being treated uh, kindly from mm -hmm. a lot of things I read. So I went in already with a little bit of a low expectation on this film. Uh, I knew the concept, which I'll read the synopsis for you. It is an agoraphoric woman living alone in New York began spying on her new neighbors only to witness a disturbing act of violence. And obviously rear window comes right into play there. Sure. And I think they even play off that even in the opening scene, opening scene, yeah. there is a reference to rear window on a TV screen being played. So they know what they're doing with this. Sure. But we do have Amy Adams starring as this woman and living alone. She has to carry most of the film as you kind of see the world through her eyes. And you see uh, this encounter with people around her in the buildings. Of course, she's afraid to go outside. Um, she has some family dynamics that you learn and explore throughout the film. Uh, and it definitely goes into the thriller category, um, just like Rear Window did. You know, build up the suspense and then turn it into kind of a, a thriller film. Chris, my question to you is, you know, I don't know if you're a big fan of Rear Window or Alfred Hitchcock in general. Does this film even hold a light to classic Hitchcock, what it's trying to go and emulate here? Or do you feel like this was a, a wasted effort and one that got honestly quietly released on Netflix without a lot of fanfare, which is sure. never a good sign? But It was supposed to come out in theaters in 2020, but didn't. Yeah. And then they just kind of, yeah. So is this is this worth some of the scorn that it's getting online? Or do you feel like there was uh, something more here? Well, I enjoyed watching the film. And I will say, is it, you know, is it a rear window? Now, I'm a big fan of Alfred Hitchcock, too. I, mm -hmm. you know, love his movies. I like rear window as well. Don't know if it's my favorite. I've never really thought about what would be my favorite, but I do like it. And um, no, it's probably best. I think it was, <laughs> I guess, admirable of the film. They just come right out from the opening credits. You see a scene playing on a big screen TV of rear window. So they kind of acknowledge, hey, we're paying homage. And I guess it's good they did that because it's so obvious yeah. That the film is doing Otherwise, that. the film could almost just be seen as a ripoff. Rip but they're like, no, no, no. Right. We're, we're doing a no match to this. And what's interesting is this film is based on a book. Mm -hmm. So there was a book that then, a bestseller, that then, you know, somebody wrote the screenplay and now we have the film. But it's not like they just, like you're saying, just updated Rear Window. No, this came from a novel. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess what made it interesting, and I'm not going to say – it was a good film. I didn't mm. like it. But what made it challenging for me to watch, and I think it's kind of a good example of film criticism, is I was trying to figure out why didn't it work? I don't understand. And I'll explain what I'm talking about. We have an amazing cast. We have Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee, Wyatt Russell. Yeah. And they're all acting and doing a great job. So it's not a performance problem with any of these great actors. 
Joe Wright. He is a capable director. He directed Atonement, Hannah, Anna Karenina, Darkest Hour. So it's not like he's a first-time director who doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm just confused as far as like what didn't work. And I what I can come down to, I think it may have been a problem with the screenplay and maybe the director wasn't exactly sure what kind of movie he was shooting. And the screenplay... It was, there's something else interesting. Tracy Lutz, mm-hmm. who is in the film, you may know him as Lady Bird's dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's an actor and playwright. He is in the film. And what's interesting to me is he was uncredited, Yeah, um, which I thought was odd. Um, but he wrote the screenplay and he's in it as a counselor to Amy Adams's character. Um, so I don't know if it was just a matter of I, I, you know, maybe being in the screenplay and then he was in the film. So it was like you... <laughs> <laughs> like maybe this thing, like I'm not going to point out to him that I think some things don't work. Maybe the director doesn't, but it just, to me, problems with tone, whether in how it was shot or the script, it starts out as like, okay, this is an Alfred Hitchcock. It's like very staged, but then at some points they're like jump scares that seem very B movie esque, mm-hmm. um, with like a blood splatter splatter and a close-up of a hand on a window. And then like a bump in the basement that just with the odd music cue, it just seems odd. And then, um, at some point, uh, probably two thirds through the film, there is a, there is a car that is Mm -hmm. done like a diorama in like a living room. Just like, it's like, you're Mm -hmm. like, Whoa. And it looked to me, which I liked this film. Um, I'm thinking of ending things Mm -hmm. that other Netflix film that was done by, um, What's the guy's name? Charlie Kaufman. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Charlie Kaufman. It was a very like Charlie Kaufman-esque moment. And I was like, whoa. Um, So it just like, it was shifting gears constantly and it never found like a rhythm. So that, that's kind of my opening, how I felt. So what, what, yeah, I mean, you stated you weren't the biggest fan. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I actually, I did like this film. Oh, okay. Actually, I I was kind of surprised how much I enjoyed it. (laughs) I, 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 I question myself too. What didn't work for other people because it actually worked for me. I, I okay. found it to be interesting. I was generally surprised at points at some of the plot twist. Hmm. Um, of course, I wasn't sitting there trying to figure things out either. I sure. kind of just checked out, like watching it. So I'm just going to let it kind of go on and, and and see where it takes me. Um, I liked it. I mean, as a rear window homage, yeah, it works. I mean, it's the same idea. She's looking out the window. She's spying on neighbors. She sees something. She reports it, and people don't understand or believe. And very rear window-ish, same idea. Um, But this worked. I mean, I, you know, uh, they set up a, a, a situation where it could have gone in many different directions. Is she imagining things is she ha- does she have some psychotic issues is she uh you know telling the truth and there are people around her uh manipulating her you don't know and i like the fact that i think they kept me guessing for the most part um and like you said i think the acting was was good all the way around julianne moore i thought was great she's in the film for just a, a few key scenes but she was really good gary oldman also just a few key scenes very good in his play, his part uh, Jennifer Jason Lee again, not someone I even expected to be in the film. And when she kind of showed up, it was nice because her appearance is meant to be kind of a shock. surprise sure. and shock. And Brian Tyree Henry as kind of the detective, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had was. a couple really good scenes, even one towards the end. 
kind of the resolution of the film that I thought were really good and kind of uh, broke a little bit of the stereotypical caring detective uh, motif. So I liked it. I, so, okay. I'm not going to, not going to spoil things for people. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's talk about the, and you were, I think it is, it's, it's rhythm with the film and tone. Those okay. are my problems. And All I don't right. know if that's direction or script, you know, I, I, but it, I think it's a combination of the two, but without spoiling anything, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to talk about the, the curve balls. Okay. So there's an identity curve ball. Okay. And I'm going to call that the first identity curve. You know, first oh, right. we have an right, identity, right, right. identity mm-hmm. curve ball. That one worked. Okay. For yep. me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we have a second curveball of Anna's backstory. Yes. That did not work for me Didn't, so much. I really? think because it was such a Charlie Kaufman shift in tone, shift in mood light, like all this kind of, it just was like, it didn't work for me. Okay. See, it totally worked for me. Okay. Because I, they had set up a premise about her, her family relationship that I bought. Okay. And then when they threw the curveball, I'm like, Oh, Wow. Okay. I had maybe gotten a hint that maybe that was the direction they're going, but I kind of forgotten about it by the okay. time they brought it up. So I'm like, oh, and I that think was it was nice. too telegraph yeah. for me. Okay. So I think I kind of, you know, which my fault. I pick, picked Can I up. Can I just on comment that. on the on that part though? You sure. mentioned about the the uh, diorama, the car, and the the, the and I, I like room. that that aspect. There's the the aspect that came before that that I had a little bit of problems right. With, but, I mean, yeah. you got some flashbacks and all, and right. uh, but what I thought was nice is the film opens with swirling snow yes which i i was i kept coming back to thinking how that weaves in and kind of the movement of the snow and then when you actually see the scene that it brings into focus i'm like oh i actually like that i thought that was a nice (laughs) visual motif to bring in because snow swirling in the way it did didn't really make a lot of sense but yet okay here's the scene you're like all right i get it yeah okay before i move on to the third curveball because i feel like there are three um what bothered me is I don't feel like the transitions worked very well and with the car in the kitchen diorama scene. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Because I think expectations, Joe Wright is capable of better. I point to Anna Karenina, which was a film I think you and I reviewed a while ago when mm-hmm. it came out. The film overall is a period piece. Yes, some of it bored me. But I liked how he had this whole thing like it was a theater motif okay, yeah. and the curtains would open. He would do all this weird things with like – the theater was the stage and then you would, it was just really interestingly staged. So in this, I'm like, dude, do better. You, 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 you're capable of doing better. And I felt like it just, it, it wasn't up to what I thought he was capable of. See, I kind of felt like, I mean, I felt like the house as a whole was an interesting set. And I do think he played with some things. I mean, towards the end of the film, there were definitely some movements within the house as the kind of the film was wrapping up sure. that were, that were kind of more stagey and kind of, Broke the wall a little bit. And by kind of more stagey, I think you mean really stagey? Well, yeah, yeah, they were. But I mean, (laughs) I liked them. I thought they were neat. Um, I I felt like playing within the holes, buying on or, you know, uh, watching neighbors through windows. He did a little more stylistically with it than I would have expected. So Hmm. I don't know. I got got more of his directorial input in it than maybe you did on that. But um. Yeah. What was the, the third curveball? So ball? the third curveball, there kind again, the, avoiding spoilers. Yeah. But um, the third cur- curveball comes kind of at the end and worked for me. I mm-hmm. liked it. But then kind of a reveal about what is actually going on. I liked the reveal. But then my problem was then it just slid into a B-movie 80s, 90s yeah. horror slasher flick. And I was I like, agree. oh, like it's st- like – 
it's it tried to be intelligent and, and yeah. then it just devolved into I agree. the last hacker slasher the last five minutes climax yeah is not the best i mean and and it was probably the least interesting part of the film um and if you think but, about it but at the end yeah. of the film she's magically cured and then leaves this house <laughs> and you're like wow really after well, all that you've had agoraphobia and now after having this dramatic closing scene 80s slacker well, but just like flesh. you know just like any any good story i mean and the character horror. has to push themselves out of their comfort zone to a comp to fix a situation which is what the climax was true and that kind of caused them to now be able to move forward and progress so i, I bought that i maybe just too rushed i, I will know. admit the, the the well yeah we don't know how much time passed from that climax to the epilogue and, and hmm. all that but um i uh I'll admit the the I'll say the rooftop climax it wasn't the best in the world and yeah it did have a lot more of that eighties thriller um, slasher slasher film yeah. type of feel to it which was not great there's a there's a scene in the shot of Amy <laughs> Adams getting something on her face which I thought was ridiculous and kind of bad and and, and, yeah. and unfortunately that was not well done but outside of that I was really enjoying the film. I made it through that climax without, you know, just getting frustrated with the film too bad. And then I thought it ended nicely as well. So I, I, I had a good time with it. I don't know if this is just a matter of, this is just the film that, you know, people just want to kind of dump on. Right. Because even your criticism was more well thought out criticism than what I've been hearing <laughs> people say that just say it's trash or dumb or whatever. I don't get that at all. I thought it was an entertaining and fun, had a couple of issues, but overall I thought it was still a good, good piece of entertainment. Um, so I don't know, maybe this is just the film that everybody wants to pick on this month. Who knows? Well, um, I'll say something else, which, you know, if none of this makes you interested to see the film, that's fine. Or maybe it does make you interested. Sometimes like if somebody rags on a film, like you're saying dumps on a film, I'm just like, okay, what, what's wrong? It yeah. actually intrigues me to see it. Kind of the uh, serenity. Uh-huh yes. Effect. With yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that was just enjoyable. Like, man, cause it was such mm-hmm. a nutso <laughs> film. Uh, but, um, so, would, does this interest you, or do you find this interesting? Some people hate what they call extra textuals, where you bring in outside all this outside information. So, I mentioned briefly the book. Mm-hmm. This was based on a book. Yeah. Okay. Well, the writer is A.J. Finn, which that's a pseudonym for a literary critic named Daniel Mallory, who has been accused of lifting significantly for his book that the movie's based on from another film called Copycat, starring Sigourney Weaver, and who is a character who gets attacked and becomes agoraphobic and has, like, so. Huh. Yes. Interesting. Right. I have not seen Copycat, but I, I have. I remember it, but okay. I have not seen it. But that may be part of what's leading to. Some of the criticism. Some of the critical. If that backstory's out there, then, you Well, know. and here's a little bit more. So mm-hmm. it makes, like, the Daniel Mallory care, or person, he's not a character, he's a real-life person, the author who wrote the book that this is based on. Then it was also revealed in 2019, I guess right after Tracy Letts had written the screenplay and they were shooting the movie, it also came out through like a New Yorker article that apparently he'd made up a lot of details about his past, mm-hmm. like his mother dying of cancer and his brother having a drug problem. I can't remember the detail, but like, wow. yeah. So it's just like, whoa, there's a lot of interesting, weird things going on. So mm-hmm. the fact that they then made this movie and it's about somebody that has some psychological issues. Yeah. Okay. So there's some backstories to it that which may is be kind impacting of a little interesting. bit. Yeah. But, but it could also be, you know, the yeah. criticism, if you can leave all that behind, which when you see a movie, it should come down to, Hey, 
do you like? You, you yeah. may not appreciate the originator of the art, but can sure. you appreciate the can, film do you for like what the it film is? Itself? So, I'll, I'll just close in saying, uh, you know, if you pull up the IMDb listing for this film, which, you know, we do to do our research and to make sure we've got cast names and all that, right? Sure. Uh, they have a user review section. And, you know, I, I typically after I've seen a film and I've kind of formed my own opinion, I may go down and glance at those user reviews. The first one that pops up right off the bat is I don't get the bad reviews. That's the title of the review. It's like, sure, this movie is no masterpiece, but in my opinion, it's a good Friday night watch. It's pretty thrilling and entertaining. It had me glued to the screen. Uh, honestly, not that bad. Is this, like, is this review by I Alan Jackson? That. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been something I wrote kind of in a nighttime stupor where I was half asleep or something. But uh, that, uh, that I'm like, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's pretty thrilling and pretty entertaining. Honestly, not that bad. That ought to be the movie quote on the <laughs> honestly, movie. Honestly, not that bad. Can, <laughs> on the movie okay. potion. So that is Woman in the Window. I'm going to I'm gonna give it a recommendation. I thought it was a fun watch. I, I'm like, especially it's on Netflix. Would I have felt differently if I'd gone to the theater and paid full ticket price for it? Eh, maybe, but I still think I would have found it pretty entertaining and enjoyable. But at home on a Netflix uh, Friday night, man, this is, a, this is a good watch. It's a fun movie. So, Yeah, and I, I don't... I, it's a weird thing. I don't, I don't know if I feel like a recommendation because I feel like it does have problems, but it's just interesting to me kind of the reason to watch it is why doesn't it work? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that is a good question. I mean, if you, if you hear me saying, I think it works. So why isn't it clicking with yeah, everybody? Why, and I'm, like, I'm just struggling. Like, know. what can I nail down? That's like, why? Cause it's not bad acting. It's not, you know, it's mm. just like, what, what's going on? So. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the woman in the window by uh, Joe Wright starring Amy Adams and a list of, of many other uh, top actors. It is available on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you're able to watch it right now for basically free, you know, with your subscription and uh, you know, write us and let us know what you think. If you watch the film and uh, you have an idea of maybe why it's just not working for everybody, why it may not be working for Mr. Fry, uh, give us some insight. We'd love to hear from you on that. So, all right, Chris, we're done with our reviews. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a couple of movie news items to share with you, some upcoming productions or maybe some announcements made in the, in the film world. And then we're going to wrap up the show with our recommendation. Chris and I both sharing one film each of uh, something we think uh, is worth your time or we want to revisit. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV, and we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you again from the Foot Candle Film Society and our annual Foot Candle Film Festival, which is coming up. Yes. September 22nd through the 26th. September 22nd through the 26th of 2021. Uh, Film submissions have closed. We have got our film selections uh, just about in hand. We'll be announcing the films of our festival in July. Tickets will also be going on sale in July. And then uh, the festival itself will be both an in-person and a virtual component to the festival films this year. So if you live in the state of North Carolina... You will have an opportunity to watch the films online. They will be kind of geofenced, North Carolina based. So you do need to live in the state of North Carolina to be able to watch the films. 
But obviously, if you're going to be anywhere close to the Western North Carolina Hickory area, we'd love for you to come join us in person at the festival uh, September 22nd through the 26th. Footcandlefilmfestival.com is where you would go to find out information. That'll be where we announce films and we announce the ticket sales. Did I miss anything, Chris? No, that was good. Yeah. Now I don't have to do it at the end of the show. Yeah, Hooray. Good. Well, I mean, you can do it again <laughs> at the end if you want to. I uh, I just figured I'd go ahead and rattle it off sure, while I was on So, All right, Chris, let's get into a couple movie news items. We like to talk about projects that are on their way. Uh, sometimes we dip into trailers, not today. Don't have any trailers for today. Today is just going to be some news items. Okay. Um, first up, I do want to talk about a film that just got announced. Um, I think today, actually, I just read it this morning and I think this sounds like an important film. So I, I do want to kind of talk about it. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Obviously a guy who ran Merrimax for many years. Uh, is currently in federal prison uh, for a lot of a sexual assault or sexual harassment, sexual assault charges. And his conviction years ago kind of really opened up a lot of uh, dialogue about some of the uh, practices that were going on in Hollywood, especially with him, but also with with others as well. So that Weinstein investigation movie is being made into a movie. Okay. And it's called She Said. Okay. Hmm. And it's going to be based on the book, she said, breaking the sexual harassment story that helped ignite a movement. Uh, the book is written by, um, shoot, I don't have that in front of me. Oh, uh, Megan Twoey and Jody Cantor, who are the two people who uh, held the investigation, like were two of the investigators gotcha. in this process. And then they wrote the book afterwards about it. So Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan have been uh, attached to play wow. those two investigators. So the film will actually be uh, the two of them working to uncover this widespread sexual harassment and assault allegations against Weinstein and his company um, uh, that got him eventually sentenced to 23 years in prison. Gotcha. Maria Schrader, who is a uh, director, she worked on the Netflix series Unorthodox, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not. I have heard of it, but I have not watched it. I've seen some of it. It's okay. good. Um, and she's directing it from a script by Oscar winner Rebecca Link, uh, Link, Linkwitz. Production's uh, set to start this summer. Hmm. You know, as I look back, Chris, thinking about films like this that are based on uh, big investigative efforts on really historical moments in society, you look back all the way to All the President's Men. Yeah. And I look even more recently to Spotlight from several years ago. Big, important films covering really big, important topics and normally done really well, especially if you've got good talent and good cast at a set. So were you familiar with this production? Or any no, you um, I had not heard it was happening. Um, interesting. I'll be interested to watch it um, because I am curious. I mean, I know kind of what I've read in the news, but I haven't followed it closely. So to really get like a look at all the details. Um, and I, I'm a big Carrie Mulligan fan. So. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be good. And Zoe um, Kazan too, also very good. So uh, the two of them, kind of as, as lead investigators, kind of the Woodward and Bernstein, you know, of of this situation and this generation, um, could be really interesting. I, to will, see. I will say um, one that did not work for me. Now it wasn't as much from the investigation. Oh, I know you're going with it. Angle maybe as much as here's a situation that was happening. Yeah. And I think the problem is they took. Even though I kind of liked the trailer, because <laughs> um, I liked the Billie Eilish song that they were using, um, "Bombshell," yeah. that came out, I True. just thought was was 
pretty terrible. Um, Bombshell so, was not good, yeah. and that that you're right. I did think about that film when this was announced, but this just seems to have more. I don't want to say clout to it because I mean the other one had you know big name actors oh, yeah, and, and, and people attached to it. I, I don't know, just something about this. I mean. Uh, going after the practices of Fox news seemed to be kind of an easy target going after Weinstein and really exploring what happened there. That was a big moment. And right. not only the uh, me too movement and not only in just overall uh, awareness of sexual harassment issues, but Hollywood in general, Hollywood was just shaken by this thing sure. with Weinstein. So I think there's just a lot more meat here to kind of uncover and work with. And like you said, the details too. I mean, bombshell didn't really care about the details uh, and really helping us understand what was happening and why we just got to see the impact it was having on some of the women involved. And, uh, it just seemed to be like leering and kind of like winking, like in this, yeah. you know, this is happening to Fox news. This is happening to Roger Ailes. Right. Isn't this awesome that this, and you're just like, I, I don't know. Well, and see the problem with, with Weinstein is, I mean, there's a lot of actors and people involved that were partners of Weinstein. They worked on his films. I mean, you know, you take Tarantino did mm-hmm. all of his films through Miramax and you know, right. it's just, so there's a lot of, it's it's interwoven into a lot of Hollywood already. So an expose on this and a film about this does kind of uncover a lot of CD things about Hollywood in general and some of the culture that existed there. So yeah, I, I, the more you talk about it, the more it sounds terrible to say the more excited I am, yeah. but I'm just, I'm interested to learn. And I really hope, and I hope, which I guess it's going to be a legal nightmare, but I guess if they base it off the book, um, that they keep a lot of the names and a lot of the stuff so that, you know, as opposed to just making up, you know, Oh, Bob Smith, who's oh, the director. Yeah. Like, no, you know, I hope they can, yeah. I hope they can keep like, re- like you say, references to Tarantino and other people that were kind of in the mix, you know, not that, you know, yeah, I just hope they can keep all that, but we'll, we'll see. I was remiss in mentioning it. Megan Twoey and Jody Cantor, the two uh, invest authors of the book and the investigators uh, to begin with were with the New York times. So I just okay. didn't want to mention they were New gotcha. York times, uh, uh, reporters who are the ones who really dug into this uh, situation with Weinstein and then wrote the book that the film is being based on. Okay. And that's who Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan will be playing. Gotcha. All right. So that is, uh, she said it's under production this summer. So it could be maybe late 2022. Okay. You know, could be kind of the, the target area for that. And I, to keep I mean, our I, eye out for it. Seems like that would probably be an Oscar movie. I mean, just I because of the importance and the people so. involved and everything. I yeah. would expect so. Sure. Yeah. All right, let me move on to another movie news item. Chris, the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, I've heard of it. You've heard of it. Yes. Um, Haven't been invited to it yet, but, you know. Types of films you normally consider and think of when you hear the Cannes Film Festival. Well, they were supposed to play French Dispatch last year. I think Wes they actually Anderson, are. Yes. Quirky, independent. Yeah, and um, I think yeah. they actually are going to get to mm-hmm. play it this year. I yeah. mean, it's, it's typical. You know, the, it's the place for prestige pictures to come out. So, and, and high profile prestige, like Sundance gets a lot of pictures that you don't really know of or earlier directors in their career. I mean, they still get big name directors, but can is where you'll see Scorsese or you'll see Wes Anderson, or you'll see, you know, just big name directors. Or you'll see Vin Diesel. Nice. Because F9, the latest installment of the universal action packed fast and furious franchise is going to be the planetary blockbuster heading to the Cannes Film Festival. Is this something they normally do? Have a big I blockbuster? I don't know. Okay. 
<laughs> I mean, um, it's certainly surprising today. They supposedly, uh, the can chief uh, theory, Frumel, uh, told Variety a while back that there would be a planetary blockbuster premiering during the 2021 Cannes Film Festival. Now, see, if that was like Dune, I'd be like, well, see, okay, I, I get that. He told journalists, like, everybody was asking, who is this going to be? What film is this going to be? They expect him to unveil the title during the June 3rd press conference. And all he did at that point is told them that the movie was not Dune hmm. or No Time to Die, the James Bond movie, or West Side Story. That was the ones people were all guessing. Uh, instead, F9, the late, the ninth installment of the Fast and Furious yeah. franchise, uh, which I, opens June 25th here in the United States, is going to be having its French premiere and the featured blockbuster at the Cannes Film Festival. I mean... Yeah, I just don't like the only bigger surprise would have been like, oh, it's a new Star Wars movie. I've been like, really? Yeah. Like that? Like, yeah, I just don't. I mean, I, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't remember ever hearing of something. And it's like a, it's a sequel that's, yeah, nine into well, can, it. I think I've seen some big films go to Cannes. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, ones that are, I guess, quote, blockbuster films, but typically they're ones that have a little more artistic quality to them not racing again, not racing seen, cars <laughs> i haven't seen f9 i can't sure. i can't see her rag on it and tell you it's a bad movie i i've only seen one of the fast and the furious films of all the other eight out there so i'm not the one to see alan are we going to review f9 well I and mean, if so are we, are we going to eight i don't know That's chris i question. already have a problem coming up with one film for a recommendation <laughs> on an episode let alone eight uh, automobile racing films. I, I had told myself, but this was when I thought there was still a chance that F9 was going to come out, that I was going to marathon all the fast Boy. and furious movies More power to you, brother. so that I, before the ninth one came out, cause I'd only seen the first one. Yeah. And, um, so, and I think I made it to the third and then I stopped. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you made it farther than I did. And again, I, I, I hate, casting stones on films that have yeah, not come out yet. I mean, granted, yeah. F9 could be the Terminator 2 of our generation. Could it could be the aliens of our generation. Who knows? I don't know. Right. But history is telling me probably not. And um, I just think, I just thought it was fine. I had to do a double take and make sure it wasn't like a an Onion uh, article. <laughs> it sounds like it F9 was. F9 was going to be like the big premiere I mean, film at Cannes yeah, Film like, Festival. And I know you're right. They have done premieres of bigger films in the past, like blockbuster type films, but I don't ever like they'll do like once upon a time in Hollywood for Quentin Tarantino. So everybody knows, I mean, he's kind of an arty independent, but he's also huge and they'll do that there oh, or sure. something. I get but that. But that's, it's just not the same. Like, I wonder if it's an, an appeal because they got the stigma a while ago when it was the whole, I guess, Roma and Netflix. And it was like, Oh, well we don't accept films that are being streamed. There was this whole stink about who yeah. they were accepting. If they're going to have it, they have to premiere in theaters. They can't mm. just go to digital. There was some big stink with cancer. I wonder now because of pandemic and everything, are they trying to be like more relevant or more cool by having F9? Like it's just Weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is very weird. That's a good, good way of uh, phrasing it. It's, it's weird. weird. Um, all right, so that's uh, that was my second news. I do have one quick other news item that's going to lead into my recommendation. So okay. I'll go ahead and hit this news item uh, just because uh, I'll, I'll explain okay. why I decided to bring this this news item up. Sure. Um, Indiana Jones. I've heard of him. Yes. Uh, familiar with the person. 40-year 40, 40 anniversary, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 82 or 81. Okay. 
So yes, it would be 40 years uh, this year that it came out, the very first one. And uh, they are working on a fifth one. Gotcha. Now, mixed feelings on this, Chris. I'm, Spielberg is not directing. He's not directing. James Mangold is directing. Okay. Um, I, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. I love the character. But I recently uh, just went through a rewatch of all three films with uh, my youngest son, who had asked to want to see them. I noticed you said all three, therefore. <laughs> That's true. I did say Oops. Uh, I watched all three, all three films. There it's is okay. a fourth that we did not entertain gotcha. because I, I do not like it. Okay. Um, but we did watch the three films I consider to be the trilogy yeah, that sure. you watch. Um, and so I, I, I'm curious about the fifth film. As you mentioned, I'm not a big fan of the fourth one. So them announcing a fifth one was not something I was overly excited about. But, you know, different director, uh, different mix of people involved. Who knows? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen has been cast in it. He's going to be in the uh, the fifth film, hmm. which I think is. I very, mean, very let's just say he's probably going to be a villain. You would think so, but you know who knows. Who and knows? then um, who is the 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 person that does the show Fleabag? Um, uh, uh, Phoebe Waller. Phoebe Waller Bridgers. Yes, that- sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, she's also in it too. Okay, I like both of them. Sure. So I'm like, okay, that's good. I like I like the casting choices so far. Okay. Um, so Indiana Jones fifth, uh, the reason I bring up as a news item is it just went into shooting like now. So there's supposed Harrison Ford still going. involved. Harrison Ford still involved. Shia LaBeouf not involved. Not involved. Okay. Um, cause he was in the fourth film that you don't speak about in these son, I guess if we're going to hold the fourth <laughs> one in Canon, right. um, sure. Indiana Jones is pushing or uh, Harrison Ford's pushing 80. Hmm. So I'm kind of curious, you know, stunts wise, uh, how they're going to do, what they're going to do with this. Um, you know, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I don't know if this is a chance for them to still try to come up with a new generation of person to take on the hat and the bullwhip or, or is it going to be Indiana Jones death? Because I mean, they have said this is the final one. They've, they've come out and said last one. Don't know. Could be, could be interesting. Wow. I mean, if they say way it's to the be final a, way one, to be a bummer, Alan. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's very possible. I mean, the, you know, wow, okay. It, because otherwise, what are you going to do if you if sure. you do decide to make a sixth one? I mean, right. You got to somehow feature him back in there, and they let Han Solo die. So I mean, why not? You sure, know, it could be. And supposedly Harrison Ford likes the idea of his characters dying. I think that was the whole thing he did with Force Awakens. Is he huh. said, I'll do it if you kill off Han Solo because I kind of want him to die. So. That's what I heard as a rumor. Don't know if it's true or not. Huh. Anyway. Wow. Interesting. But, uh, so fifth one's underway. Uh, there was a rumor out there that uh, supposedly people who took photos on the set, uh, leaked photos, said that uh, someone uh, wearing a Harrison Ford mask and dressed as Indiana Jones was doing all the stunts. So it may be that they are using stunt doubles and people with a Harrison Ford mask on, which I think is, would be interesting. Which to you're going to be selling for a million and yes. yeah. On so eBay. Uh, yeah. we will see how they pull this together. I'm hopeful, but I will admit the fourth one left a really bad taste in my mm. mouth. So anyway, that's uh, that's our news items for today. <laughs> okay. But let's go ahead and lead into recommendations. And as I said, my news item was going to trigger my recommendation. Let's keep talking Indiana Jones while we're at it. Okay. Uh, these are recommendations. Chris and I both bring out one film that either we just saw or and want to recommend or one we just caught back up with or wanted to pass along as a recommendation. As I mentioned, we watched all three of the Indiana Jones trilogy, the original trilogy at our house. 
And it's it's been a while since I've caught up with them, especially not watched them like all in a row. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm a big fan of the character. I'm a big fan of the mythology they based around him. But I'm going to give as my recommendation one that I feel like gets misaligned a lot. Uh, and that is Temple of Doom, the okay. second one. I dare say it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite of the three. And uh, I know a lot of people, the criticism is it's, it's dark. Um, it's, uh, it has a lot of trauma to it, you know, with children and, and it's just, it's just a dark film. I think it's probably why I like it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the one film of the three that feels like it is truly a independent adventure of Indiana Jones. It's like, all right, from the very minute we see this film starts out with this really, really wonderful. I love the whole opening sequence in Shanghai, uh, with the song and dance opening. And then there's a big breakout fight inside the Shanghai bar, which leads to a, a plane crash situation. It's just the whole 20 minutes is almost like breathless. Like mm-hmm. you finally get to the point where they stop and it's like a big exhale. And I loved it. It's just, it's thrilling. And then it takes you right into another plot line and you go on this other story. Um, I think it was just, it's the best standalone adventure film for this character. And um, yes, is Kate Capshaw a little over the top with her performance. Yeah, it's it's a little much, but her character is meant to be that way. Sure. So I, I'm okay with it. Uh, you got Short Round, you know, as his <laughs> sidekick, which I think is great. I hate that Short Round didn't appear anywhere else and just had the one film. Overall, this is like, to me, encapsulates what I like about Indiana Jones. He was a character that could put on his tuxedo and glasses and still fit into a dinner party. And then he goes, puts on the fedora and the bullwhip, and he's out there, you know, uh, taking out cult leaders and all that. (laughs) There's also a scene where Indiana Jones drinks the blood of something or another in this cult and actually goes like dark for a little while. And his kind of coming back was actually like one of my favorite moments. Mm -hmm. It's just a nice little, just kind of punch the Mm -hmm. air kind of a cheer moment for a film. So anyway, I love Temple of Doom. It gets a lot of flack out there in the community. I think, Everybody, you know, of course, the first one is still great. That's a really, really tight, close second for me. But I will admit the third one, watch the third one again. And I know a lot of people say it's their favorite because it's the lighter one. It's the funnier one. It's got Sean Connery as the father. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just, it's almost too funny, too silly for me. Uh, give me the first two any day of the, of the week. Third one was fine. <laughs> but then I felt like uh, the fourth one just took it to a whole different level. I don't want to get into so your thoughts i mean i know you're a fan of those films in general i am and oddly enough i think the second one might be my favorite too i do like the first i need to revisit the third i haven't seen the third i don't think it holds up very well and i know i don't i'm not a fan of the fourth although i think actually i like it better than you um, because I think I where it goes it with like the UFO stuff, I was like, because I, I like science again. fiction. But um, yeah, I, I need to see the third and the fourth again. Um, but yeah. I, no, I the know. second one, it's just good. And I know a lot of people, like I, I've mentioned that in conversations and honestly gotten into arguments with people who say <laughs> the second one is not a good film. I'm like, well, no, no, no. You just, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong because it really is. Okay. Yes. The mine cart chase. Okay. How practical is that? It's really dumb, but it's super fun. So <laughs> right, I'm sure, you know, I'm okay with that. Anyway, my recommendation is if you've, if you've skipped on Temple of Doom because you just remember it being too dark and scary and all that, it's, it's a really good adventure film. It's my favorite of the three. So. Okay, all right. fair enough. What about you, Chris? What have you got for a recommendation for us this episode? So 
I'm going to recommend a comedy special that has come out on Netflix. Uh, it was wrote, directed, and shot by Bo Burnham, um, and it's called Bo Burnham Inside. And it was something that he did over the past year while in quarantine. I believe like it looks to be like a little separate building from like his house or his apartment, but it's just like a not a shed, but just basically like a little office room. And yeah, the whole thing takes place inside there. And he, for those of you, you know, he was in Promising Young Woman. That's where you might you know see him or recognize him from. But he's also been a comedian. He started off as a YouTube star and then he's done, I think, two other comedy specials for um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, he and he does basically this consists of some not skits per se, but and I guess, yes, they are kind of skits, but then also little songs that he does that he weaves hmm. in it. Um, years from now, let's say 10 or 15 years from now, I'm talking to a teenager that wasn't around during the pandemic. And if they say, what was it like living through the pandemic? I think, you know, although they'll need to be, I guess, 15 or a little older, maybe, but I'll show them this, this Netflix comedy with air quotes special Mm -hmm. and watch that. And then after they watch it, I'll say, okay, do you have any follow-up questions? Hmm. (laughs) Because it really, you know, it, it, there, there are some funny moments, but it can get kind of dark because he seems to be dealing, struggling with depression Mm -hmm. and the fact that he cannot be, he's trying to be creative, but he's trapped in a room, hence inside um, the name of the special. Um, So I, I've seen it, two times all the way through. And then I've watched, gone back and watched little segments of the songs that he does because they've just been sticking in my head. So, um, yeah, that's my recommendation for the show. Not forever. You may not care for his brand of humor or dark humor specifically with this one, but, um, it really just, it knocked me out. Bo Burnham's inside is what, and that's on, you said Netflix, Netflix. Okay. Netflix. Uh, and then my recommendation is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So two completely different polar yes. opposite films. But <laughs> yeah. that's the nice thing about our shows. You get sure. a lot of different variety of recommendations to listen to. All right. Well, that is our show for today. So again, reviews that we had of the film A Quiet Place Part 2. Chris, very high on, very positive on me. Not so much, but it's still, it's an okay watch. Just I'm not going to, I just didn't see the point, but we disagreed <laughs> on it. Um, the second one was the woman in the window, which I liked quite a bit. Chris was lukewarm on, had some issues with, but we both agree it probably doesn't, not as bad as you might've heard and worth a watch to some degree. If nothing else, like Chris said, to figure out what's, what's, what's not working in it. So right. what, what made it not work for some people? Then we had our movie news items. Uh, she said coming out hopefully in the next year and a half or so should be an interesting film to follow. And we talked about F nine being at the Cannes film festival and how kind of interesting that is. <laughs> and then uh, Indiana Jones. I talked a lot about Indiana Jones, number five, how much I disregard number four and how much I love the second one. And then your recommendation, Bo Burnham inside. All right. Like summarize the show pretty well. Uh, I think, I think so. I summed it up for us pretty good. So Chris, anybody that has any thoughts, opinions, ideas, feedback, uh, where do they go? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. We are on Letterboxd where we try to track what we're seeing. I'm Chris Fry, Alan's Alan Jackson. And sometimes we try to leave like short reviews on there as well. 
Alan mentioned our Foot Candle Film Festival. It will be going on the 26th through the 20th. No, sorry, the 22nd through the 26th. As of right now, uh, Marvel has not contacted us to release Guardians of the Galaxy 3 at our festival. It's a surprise, big hit. So we're not quite competing with Can yet, but uh, we'll let you know if that. We will have a big planetary blockbuster. (laughs) Right. At our festival. Sure. I think, maybe. (laughs) Uh, Also, if you like our show, which we hope you do, give us a star rating, write a review, share with friends and iTunes to help us reach new listeners. Uh, We'd appreciate it. We're also on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. All right. Well, that is Foot Candle Films for today. We will be back uh, sometime soon with another episode, some more films to review, some more film news to discuss. So for the Foot Candle Film Festival, Foot Candle Film Society, Alan Jackson and Chris Fry, thank you very much. We will talk to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.